Well, praise God. Y'all glad to be in church today? Well, I'm glad everybody's out there watching. Everybody's in here. I'm glad to see some faces. Been the last kind of rough services for me just standing here looking at the camera preaching. Nobody in here. So, you know, that's a little bit difficult, but I'm getting pretty good at it. I just stand here, psych myself up, look back there, act like I'm preaching to millions and millions and just go for it. Okay. So, but I don't like it that much. I like seeing some faces. Okay. So anyway, I'm glad you're here this morning and I want you to get your Bibles out. And I want you, if you would, to go to Jeremiah chapter 29. We're going to start right there this morning, I think. Now, I don't know about y'all, but, you know, things are pretty crazy around here. Hello? I mean, the world right now, just you just don't know when you wake up, you know, one day to the next. And, and uh, I was laughing years ago, and, and, and I mean, this is a long, long time ago. There was a, there was a movie out called The Truman Show. Uh, I don't know if anybody's ever watched it. I, it's a, it. I don't even know if it was good. I don't even know if it was BC Days I saw it or what, but where, you know, where the kid was raised on television, basically, he didn't know that he didn't have parents and the kid was raised and they just had his life and they were, it was all basically a, a big commercial and all the world was watching him, but he didn't know. He thought his life was real. And, uh, you know, all the information he got, everything was wrong. And I, I woke up the other day, I kind of thought, I kind of feel like I'm on the Truman Show here. You know, like, I don't know what I'm getting. I don't know if anybody, anything I'm looking at, I don't know if the headlines are right or what's going on or, you know, is there even a China? I don't know. I've never been there, you know. I, I don't know. So anyway, I just, you know, that's kind of the way you get to feeling. And, uh, you know, I don't know how y'all have felt, but I've kind of felt like, uh, I don't know, just, just grieved in my spirit for just, just weeks and weeks now. And just asking the Lord, Lord, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? What do you want to do? And, and, and I've, I've told you all this, you know, I'm getting nothing. And I'm talking to all my pastor friends and, you know, we're all trying to get ahead of the game and all try to figure out what's God, what's going to happen? What's this going to happen? And, 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 I'm get, and we're all getting nothing. We're not getting any specifics. Let me put it that way. And, uh, but yeah, you can go to YouTube and there's somebody on there telling you something. Hello? There is the next great prophet said something or the next person that said something or whatever. And there's, there's everything in the world out there. There's everything in the world out there right now. Hello? And so it's pretty easy if you have any form of godliness within you to look at some of the things that we know are taking place and to look at it and say, that ain't God. All right? Just to look at it and say, that's not God. That, God's not in that. Okay? And, and that's a pretty easy one, right? So, uh, I mean, it's like if a friend came to you and said, look, I've been, I want you all to pray about me, a Christian friend. He said, I want, I want to pray, uh, you to pray about this. I've got this business idea, and I really want you. The Bible says in the multitude of counselors is wisdom, and I want, to, I, want to give you, I want to get your counsel on this. I'm thinking about, you know, opening up this, this Ponzi scheme to scam money off of everybody, and, and I'm going to get rich off of it. And, and you know, how, what do you think that's God? I mean, you'd obviously say, uh, no, you can't steal and you follow me, but I feel like that's what the world's doing in a, in a world. There's people in, in, in government and there's people in different places and they're, they're putting things out and saying, oh no, this is the right thing to do. You know, let's cut off their speech because they don't need to be, but you're looking at it and saying, what? I mean, it doesn't make any sense. Some of it, it's as if the devil is overplaying his hand. All right. And, uh, so anyway, I keep asking God, you know, what are you going to do? When are you going to do it? I know you're going to do something. 
But when is it going to take place? When are you going to do something in a big way and go and set everything right? Okay. So, and I don't have a time. So if you're, if you're coming this morning or watching the video saying, oh, pastor's going to tell me what's going to happen tomorrow. Uh, and I'm not. Okay. But I'm going to tell you something this morning that I really believe is the heart of God. I'm going to share something very solid, very basic, very fundamental, because y'all know me. My, I win in life by being consistent. I am not going to be the, 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 the rocket that shoots off. I'm not going to be the, the, the guy driving in the flashy car. I'm going to be living and winning my life by consistency. I'm going to be in there every morning. I'm going to get up. I want to put my boxing gloves on. I'm going to go a few rounds with the devil. I'm going to worship God. I'm going to get in. I'm going to put it all up. I'm going to go on by my day and I'm going to start. I'm going to do the next thing tomorrow. I'm just going to be there consistently, 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 because it's the only way I know to succeed. All right. I'm not up and I'm not down. I'm just shooting right through the middle. So it's not very flashy. I've been watching some of these guys. Uh, uh, I've been watching a couple of pastors and, and I was laughing. I said, man, can you imagine us doing this? You know, they, they have these settings like that. There's nobody preaching and they don't have a pulpit and they're up on the stage and they have a coffee table and they have two coffee cups and a little plant and some little high chairs. And then they, they sit up there in the chairs and they talk and they drink their coffee. And do I said, can you imagine if I did this? Y'all say, as a matter of pastor, stay up too late last night. Not to get his coffee, ain't got no energy going or what. I mean, there'd be something. Y'all just be giving me a hard time about it. So, you know, everybody's got their deal, and I'm not too flashy, but I tell you what, this morning, this is truth. And you need to hear it. You need to grab hold of it. You need to take notes. You need to write it down because I guarantee you it's truth, and it's truth that's going to help you through these days. Now, I'm not much of a guy. I do not like playing defense. I don't like to sit around and wait to see what happens and then adjust. I like to be playing offense. I like to be putting pressure on the devil. I like to be buying cars for evangelists going all over the place so that he can keep going. I like to be building churches. I like to be rescuing orphans. I like to be, you know, the devil pushes back on me and I just, this is the way I've also found success in operation. He messes with me. I give him more than he can mess with me. And so I don't like playing defense. I want to play offense. I want to be on the scoring line. Now, every once in a while, you know, in like American football, you know, you, there can be an interception. Defense can score. It could be a fumble and picked up and run over. But offense usually does a point scoring, right? And so I'm going to show you this today because I'm going to show you how to be on the offense and not on the defense. Now, this is based, the first part of this is based on the, the book, out of the book of Daniel. And so I'm not going to even give you scriptures. I'm just going to tell you about it. You can go read the book, Daniel. But you got to understand something. Israel had been conquered by Babylon. And Nebuchadnezzar, the king, had taken away captives. And one of the captives that was taken away was Daniel. He was a young man. We don't know exactly his age, but he was a teenage boy when he was carried off captive to Babylon. And so can you imagine that? Just imagine this, church, what it would be like to be ripped away from your, your family, ripped away from your customs, ripped away from your homeland, ripped away, and know that you're a slave going in there, not knowing if they're going to beat you, abuse you, feed you to the lions, what they're going to do to you. The apprehension that must have been in this young man, you know, as they were marching them all over, going to Babylon, wondering, oh, God, have you forsaken me? God, what? What has gone on? There's a lot of people right now think God's forsaken them, but I'm going to tell you something. God hadn't forsaken them. God's just getting ready to move. 
And, and so, that, so just imagine if you felt like God had forsaken you and you had been taken captive and you were going into the foreign land, man, man there would be great anxiety in you. And I see people today with great anxiety, all right? And we shouldn't have that as Christians. And so here's Daniel. He's going down there, and, but he has something. Now hear me. In Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 4, before the captives have left Israel, the prophet Jeremiah gets up and speaks and prophesies to the captives. He wasn't going. He was staying in Jerusalem because Nebuchadnezzar had allowed him that. And he says, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, all who are carried away captive, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses, dwell in them, plant gardens and eat their fruit. Take wives, beget sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters to your husbands so that they may bear sons and daughters that you may increase there and not diminish. And seek the peace of the city where I've caused you to be carried away captive and pray to the Lord for it, for its peace, and you will have peace. All Daniel had to hang on to as he's a young boy being carried away is what the old prophet spoke, which was basically, you're going into captivity, but I'm not forsaking you. All right? I'm going I'm to simplify this. He says, you're going there, and you, yeah, you're not going to be happy because you're not in Jerusalem. You're not going to be happy because you're not going through the normal worship. You're not getting to go to the normal church. You're not getting to eat the normal things. You're not getting to have your normal customs. But I'm going to be with you. That's all he had to hang on to, the word of the prophet. All right? So, I mean, if you go read the story of, of uh, Daniel and read through the whole book, I mean, he prospered in everything that he did. He prospered every time the king was going to feed him to the lions and the, the, the Medes were going to kill him and the, whatever was going to happen. Daniel always prospers. Why? Because Daniel did something. He took the word of Jeremiah the prophet, he placed it within his heart, and he set his face solely to seek God, and he never varied off of that. Now, what you may not know is Daniel was roughly 90 years old when the 70 years had gone back. The 70 years of captivity had taken place. Daniel was roughly somewhere 80, some 85 to 90 years old. He was still alive. When Ezra and Nehemiah, they went back to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem, and he didn't go. As far as we know, Daniel lived out his days in Babylon and died there. He didn't go back to Jerusalem. I don't know if he didn't go back because he was an old man. I I don't know if he didn't go back because God said, stay here because you've got favor in the city and favor with the king. He went through kings. He went through Nebuchadnezzar, who, who turned his heart towards God. And then Nebuchadnezzar's son was, was an idiot. He was wicked. He's the one that they wrote on the wall, said, man, you've been found in the balance and you've been found wanting, you know? So, so he, he was bad. Then you get Darius and you get, he went through all these kings, but he always prospered. He was always on top because God was with him, right? Now, the thing about it is where we have to be in life is we have to be in the place in life to know that God is with us. God has not forsaken us. You're not going to have peace unless you know God's with you. And the devil is great at playing tricks on you to think God's not with you. 
by surroundings, circumstances, the way other people are acting towards you, whatever. The devil's great at trying to trick you into saying, God's not with me. And what I'm preaching to you this morning, and I'm going to show you here this morning, is that God is with you. He's always with you. But you have to start believing in it. Okay, so I'm going to be talking to you this morning about the kingdom of God. I want you to go to Psalms 2.4. Psalms 2.4. Now, I'm going to say some things this morning, and I don't, like I said, I don't, I don't preach to offend. I just preach to open your eyes. This book that we read, the Bible, that we hold so dear to ourselves, okay, is, is not really, the majority of this book is not directed to Americans. This book is about Jewish people. And if you didn't know it, Jesus was a Jew. Are you with me? Isaiah, Jeremiah, all these guys, they were Jews. And we got grafted in to the olive tree. We got grafted in as Gentiles and brought in here. This book is not really specifically anything about Americans. Are y'all with me? Sometimes we Americans think all the world revolves around us. Okay? And in some senses, it does. You know, in some senses, on world standards, America is the standard. The, do the dollar, the, you know, in economic situations, some stances, America is what is the standard. But we get to thinking everything is like us. And we need to be shocked a little bit to realize it's not. And we need to realize that, that what's going on in America right now, with the, the presidential election and the direction America is turning, you've got to understand something. Um, it's going to affect the whole world, but you got to understand something. It does not affect the kingdom of God. Because simultaneously, when all the world's revolving and all the world's going into all its things and all the nations and all the, the presidents and the kings and the whatever are doing all their stuff, there is a kingdom above and beyond all of that called the kingdom of God. And the Psalms 2, 4 says, and he who sits in the heavens, he laughs. At the craziness of man, thinking that they're in charge and that they're going to rule and they're going to do, you know, they're going to absurd authority over everything. Like they're in charge. Hello? Psalms 1.3 says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bring forth fruit in its season, whose leaf shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. There is, according to Psalms 1, there is no nation, no king, no law that can prevent Psalms 1 from operating in your life. Oh, it could be more difficult, but there's no way it can keep you from prospering. No nation, no, no law, no whatever, no, no, no king can put over you. No law that's enacted upon this earth can overrule your faith. And the kingdom of God that is in existence. Paul described it this way in Acts 17. He goes out and he's preaching to the most high-minded uh, intellectual sorts there at Athens. And so it says in verse 17, 22, or chapter 17, 22, it says, Paul stood in the midst of the Areopagus, and he said, men of Athens, I perceive that 
In all things, you are very religious. For I was passing through and considering the objects of your worship. And I even found an altar with the inscription to the unknown God. Therefore, the one whom you worship without knowing him, I'm going to proclaim to you. God who made the world and everything in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he worshiped with men's hands as though he needed anything, since he gives to all life, breath, and all things. He has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings so that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, as also some of your own poets have said. For you are also his offspring. Therefore, we are the offspring of God. We ought to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, something shaped by the art of man's devising. Truly, these times are, are times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all men everywhere to repent. Because he has appointed a day in which all will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has ordained. He has given assurance to us all by the raising, by raising him from the dead. The apostle Paul says, look, I was just walking out there and I saw you got the temple to the, you got a, a, a statue out there that says to the unknown God. In other words, they worshiped everything that they thought was right, but then just in case they were wrong, they had an extra. That's really firm in your faith, right? So he says, that extra God you got out there, the unknown God, that's who I'm going to preach to you. And he, and, he, and he tells him, he says, man, he's the God that lives and moves. And we have our being, and he's the God that gives breath and life to everything that's there. This kingdom of God is in function, is going right now. What's wrong? Christians have sat around and allowed themselves to just put themselves in churches and put themselves in Bible studies and put themselves in these little little cliques and, 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 and comfortable little places. And we Americans are the worst. We've got ourselves into this place that now... We think, listen to me, that God is out. And I'm telling you, God's not out. You hear what I'm saying? God's not out. We said, we sit around and say, well, why God did this happen? Why did that happen? Listen to me. I don't understand all the intricate things of God and what he is doing. I can't, don't have his mind and seeing that. But I know this. One thing I can tell you out of all this is coming. People are going to turn to God. Do you know that in 1906, when the Azusa Street Revival broke out in, in L.A., California, it's hard to believe a revival could break out in California, but anyway, uh, there was amazing things happening. One of the greatest moves of God took place right there at that time. But do you know what had happened just a little bit prior to that? The great earthquake of San Francisco. People were hurting. And folks, we look at things and we want things to line up the way we want them to line up. But I'm going to tell you something. God is ultimately in control because there is a kingdom that supersedes every kingdom on the face of this earth. And it's the kingdom of God. And what we've got to do is we got to get ourselves in line with the kingdom of God and make sure that we are spot on. That we're not missing it. We're not getting lazy and apathetic. So I'm going to give you some points here. Here we go. Some things we've got to learn about the kingdom of God. Number one is it's not in this world. Hear what I'm saying? The kingdom of God is not in this world. We have a building here. We're buying cars. We're building churches and all that. But the kingdom of God is something that takes place on the inside of people. John 18, 36. Jesus answered, said, my kingdom's not of this world. Folks, listen to me. The kingdom, we all, 
there's nothing wrong with, you know, wanting a nice house and, 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 and wanting a better car, one that starts. I mean, you know, I, I used to drive a truck down the road that, and I think about this, I think about this all the time when I turn my windshield wipers on, because I had a, the motor went out in my windshield wipers, and I literally tied a piece of, of uh, baling twine off of a round bell of hay around through the outside onto my windshield wipers and would have to drive down the road like this when it rained to wipe my windshield wipers because I didn't have the money to put the motor in to make the thing work. I got a lot of waves in those days. Everybody waved at me. That's a friendless old guy driving down the road because I was driving down the road like this, working my windshield wipers. And I can tell you today to turn my windshield wipers on, it's a joy for me that I don't have to do that. All right? So God doesn't want you poor and, 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 and like that. It's not what I'm talking about. What I'm saying is God's kingdom is not his world. You try to build something on this world so you can feel good about yourself and you're going to build great things and monuments and, and all this stuff. But listen to me, the kingdom of God, it's not in this world. You can't drive to it. You can't fly to it. You can't walk to it. It's not like it's going into another country that you just go, oh, well, let's go to the kingdom of God. <laughs> Have a booking. Call United. What time does your flight go to the kingdom of God? There's nothing that you can go to. You can't do it like that. It's not physically in this world, but it's real. It has a king. His name is Jesus. It has laws. It has benefits. And it has consequences. Do you hear what I'm saying? See, I'm a little concerned about America right now, to be honest with you. Because I don't see how we can kill 60 million children from 1973 till now and not have that blood on all of our hands and get away with it. Because I know that whatsoever a man sows, that he also reaps. You can't, look, you can't have friends if you're ugly. I don't mean physically. I mean, it came out wrong. If you're mean, you're not going to have friends. Are you with me? Whatever you sow, you're going to reap. Right now, if you go into stores, there's nobody friendly because everybody's irritated. And so it's our job as Christians to be nice, to show forth the love of God, to say, hey, there's something different about the kingdom that we serve. But let me tell you something. In the kingdom of God, it has laws, it has benefits, and there's also consequences. All right? The second thing is, the kingdom of God must be sought. Matthew 6, but seek ye first the kingdom of God. Seek the kingdom of God. The kingdom of heaven has to be sought. The kingdom of heaven is not going to fall on you. The kingdom of heaven, you're just not going to open up the door one day and step into it. The kingdom of heaven has to be sought, and it has to be sought from your heart. Hear what I'm saying? This is simple. You may be sitting here saying, oh, my gosh, I heard this when I was three. Well, you better get it down in your heart right now, and then you better preach it to somebody else. The kingdom of heaven, if somebody wants to enter into the kingdom of heaven, it has to be sought. It cannot be bought. It cannot be earned. It has to be sought. Hear me? How are you going to seek it? Well, First thing is you got to turn your attention that way. You're going to have to read your Bible. You're going to have to pray. You're going to have to worship. You're going to have to chew on the word. You're going to have to be still before God. You're going to have to seek it. If you say, if you say, well, I haven't heard from, oh, my friend in a while. 
Okay? Well, then let me ask you the question, turn around to you. Have you called them? Are you with me? Well, it's the same thing about Jesus. You say, well, Jesus, he doesn't, I don't, I don't ever heard from God. He doesn't speak to me. Have you ever called? Have you ever sought him? Have you ever sat down? Have you ever had time? Have you ever spent time in the word? Oh, I pray church y'all are reading the word, going through the chapters and reading them this week and staying with it so we can finish the New Testament in a year and you can get in there because I'm telling you, God will change your life. There'll be things leap off the word to you like you've never seen before. You say, well, I don't know. I don't have to read. Okay, you ain't going to get nothing. You're not going to enter into the kingdom of God. You can't sit around and say, well, if God wants me, he'll get me. Yeah, he may at the very end. But I'm telling you, if you don't seek God, you seek the kingdom, put time and effort into it, you're not going to have any results. All of us wish we could go to sleep and wake up the next morning healthy. Take the pill. No one wants to exercise. No one wants to, 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 to eat right. But let me tell you, if you're hungry for ice cream, you will seek it. And if you can't find it in your house, you will go to the store. You will seek it. Oh, did y'all hear that devilish, devilish, devilish? The devil's playing so low. They said the other day that they found the COVID virus in ice cream. I'm like, what? Why were you even looking? What idiot got up and got a bowl of ice cream and said, I wonder if there's any COVID near and tested at me. What were they thinking? Leave it alone. I mean, that's just stupid. They got no business doing that. Whoever the researcher was that did this should be taken out back and horse whipped. Watch. Next time I'll say they found it in coffee. And they'll just keep weaning us off of everything, okay? But let me tell you something, folks. The kingdom of God has to be sought. And you know about seeking because when you want something, when you've got a hankering for something, when there's something down on the inside of you, you will seek it. You'll go through the canvas. Man, I'm just hungry for something. I don't know what it is. You'll eat some salt. You'll eat some sweets. You'll eat this. You'll eat that. You're trying to find it. But it has to be from your heart that you will have that same hunger for God. And I'm saying the kingdom of God is about to erupt in people's lives because people are going to start to seek him. And when they seek him, he, he will be found. The third thing is Luke 17, 20. Jesus speaking here says, when they, they asked him, the Pharisee, when the kingdom of God would come, he answered, and he said, the kingdom of God does not come with observation, nor will they say, see here, or see, see there, for indeed the kingdom of God's within you. In other words, he said, man, it's right at hand. It's at your beck and call. It is within you and your ability to tap into the kingdom. So no one has an excuse. No one has an excuse to say, well, God just didn't talk to me. No one has an excuse. I mean, can you imagine I'm supposed to be as a pastor, I'm supposed to be loving and caring. And if somebody comes to me, well, you know, preacher, I don't, I don't, God didn't speak to me. And I just said to him, well, his problem is you don't ever talk to him. Everybody get offended. So don't talk to me like that. He's supposed to rub my shoulder and tell me everything's going to be okay. No, the reason why you're not hearing from heaven is because you're not seeking him because the kingdom of heaven is on the inside of you. And all you got to do is call upon him. Romans chapter 10, verse 6 through 9 says, but the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. <clears throat> Do not say in your heart, who shall ascend to heaven? That is to bring Christ down from above or, or who will descend into the abyss? That is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you. It's in your mouth. It's in your heart. So that's why Jesus said the kingdom of God's within you. 
because it's near you, it's in your mouth, it's in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God is raising from the dead, you will be saved. Here's where people miss it. They want the church to do it. They want the preacher to do it. They want the oil to do it. They want the prayer team to do it. They want everybody to do it, but nobody's willing to do nothing. Ooh, I'm preaching good. Where's my applause? Let me get my applause going up here. This is what I need. I need my applause to get it all, all the cheer section going up here. You know, it's pretty bad when pastor has to get his own applause, you know? Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. This is right in your mouth. It's never far from you. The kingdom of God is always right there with you. Won't it explode in your life and just move it? Just think of it, folks. It's like, like at first, I, at the first of the year, I said, gosh, I wonder if I can get everybody to, to read five chapters in a week. When we were just doing one chapter, can I jump it to five? Because I, I came up with that number of 260 and seeing you just read five, you get through the whole New Testament. I thought, I wonder if I could do that. And told, I asked my wife, I said, you think you can do it? I said, well, that's not. And then I started figuring out, that's like three minutes a day. Wow. We're really putting some crunch into our time, aren't we? Three minutes a day to spend and read a chapter and talk to Jesus. And we call ourselves Christians. But see, people are having to stop right now because we're in a mess, folks. We are in a mess. I do not know what's going to all happen. But I'm just telling you, with the presidency going, if it goes to Biden and Harris, we are in trouble. We are in serious trouble. You do not understand how fast and how quick the, the, the flood is going to come towards you. You're going to be the most persecuted person on earth. You are going to be, we're going to lose rights, and, and, and we've already lost freedom of speech. We've already lost the First Amendment. The Second Amendment's coming next. And we've already have all these things happening to us. And we're just going to, you are going to be overwhelmed. And if you do not rise up right now and understand the principle of the kingdom of God and get the, 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 your mouth working and get your faith going and get yourself out there and be on the offense rather than defense, you're not going to catch up in the game. You're going to be swept away. And I'm pleading with you like a, like a father to his children. You've got to get on top. You've got to get ahead now. You cannot trust what the news is telling you. Folks, listen to me. It's, it's a, you watch. You're not going to hear the COVID virus mentioned after the 20th. Do you know already that the governor, uh, uh, Como, has already said, already put out and said, oh, it seems like we're not getting this virus out, this vaccine out fast enough, and it looks like well, the business is hurting too much, and we're going to have to open up businesses to get things going again. Oh, now you're going to do it. Uh-huh. Before it was, oh, it's at this store, body bags, trucks out there, everything is going to die. The lies to try to manipulate us and to move us into a place where we can, we'll be living in fear. And I say enough's enough. But we have to be close to the kingdom of God. We've got to be playing offense. We've got to be scoring points in the kingdom. You've got to be getting up in the morning talking to Jesus and having a conversation with him. And he tells you what to do that day. So that day you were already in this lane when that truck went past. You already have, you're already going out that day prospering and making money because everything's being blessed that you're touching because you're, you're being a Psalms one person. Let me get on here. Fourth thing here, you cannot enter the kingdom. You're not going to get into the kingdom. You're not going to get a toe. You're not going to get your little toe into the kingdom without repentance. 
Matthew 4, 17 says, from the time Jesus began to preach saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You can't get into the kingdom of God and operate in the things of the kingdom of God if you're an arrogant, fat-eared Christian. We got to repent. We got to humble ourselves before the mighty hand of God. We've got to repent and say, God, you're, you're the only one that's got any wisdom. I'm an idiot. That is, my, that is my go-to prayer. I get discouraged. And when I get discouraged and finally I start to disgust myself because I'm listening to what myself is saying and finally I have to just fall on my face and repent and say, God, I am sorry. What is wrong with me? I listen to the devil. I let him get in my head. I, I should have never been discouraged. God, you're, going, you're, you're with me. You've always been. You delivered me from everything in this world. You're going to deliver me from this. Oh, my goodness. Why did I ever think anything else? How did I have a discouraging day? Why did I let this happen to me? I'm an idiot. That's the reason why. And the Lord says, I love you. Get on up. Dust your britches legs off. Come on up here. Get back on the throne with me. Let's get going. I still love you. I'm not harboring. I'm not going to no, want to smack you. Repentance opens the gates of our heart so that Jesus can come in. Psalms 24, 7 tells us, lift up your heads, O you gates, and lift up you everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O you gates. Lift up your everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. In other words, you're in this, this, you've postured yourself to look up because you're not looking at yourself. You're not looking at your abilities and your strengths and, oh, I'm smart enough to work my way out of this. No, you need to repent. Fall on your face and say, Lord, forgive me. I've done a lot of things wrong. I need the blood of Jesus over my life. I need you to forgive me. I need to, you know, man, now your heart's open, and now the gates are open. You say, well, I don't want to do that because somebody will take advantage of me. Let them. As long as you're right with Jesus, it ain't going to make any difference. Are you hearing me? As long as you are right with Jesus, that's all that matters. So we got to repent. That's, only, that, that's the way that you start getting into the kingdom. Okay, then the fifth thing is here, John 3, 3, something that we all know. Jesus answered and said, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one's born again, he's not going to enter the kingdom of God. There has to be that born again experience. And this is where a lot of people are, are just, whew, they're missing it. Folks, listen to me. You want to get mad at the wicked and you want to stay angry at the wicked, but the wicked can't see. The wicked cannot see. You can go and explain to the wicked. You can say, look, look, this is not right. This is not right. This is not right. Look, look, look. Oh, the Bible says this and you've done this. They can't see it. Why? Because they're not born again. You think about this. Romans 10 that I just, can, I just read just a while ago, talking about uh, your, the kingdom of God's near you. The moment that you gave your heart to Jesus, the moment that you said, Jesus, I asked you to come into my life. Boom, man, something happened. There was a transformation take place in you. A transformation took place in you, and your eyes were opened, and you could see what was right and what was wrong. You said, well, I never had that happen to me. Well, then maybe you're not born again. Maybe you're just going through a religious mind game, and you're just saying, well, I've been good. I've done right. I've done, you know, I, I've always tried to live right. Listen, it's not about living right. It's about having the blood of Jesus over your life that transforms you and you're forgiven of your sins and you know and you're knowing you're knowing you're knower. Knowing, 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 and you're knower that you're right with God. Listen to me. I told my wife this morning, or maybe it was yesterday. Yesterday I had a complaining spell came on me suddenly. <laughs> kind of like a sneezing fit, you know? It just came on me. 
and I was complaining about something, and I stopped and I said, well, I need to repent now, but I know I'm I'm still going to heaven. (laughs) I know I'm going to get in the door. I I don't care if I just slide right through the pearly gates and have to sit on the other side of the fence. I'm in. I know I'm in. may not be at the top of the list, but I'm in. That's all that really counts. Are y'all with me? And you see, folks, that's a transformation. I know that. But the wicked can't see it. There's no sense getting mad at them. They can't see it. You say, you just stand around. And that's what's blowing me away. And that's where I get discouraged because I'm like, what are you doing? You can't do that. I'll say this. They may whack me off of YouTube on this one, but I don't care. I- I'm telling you what, Nancy Pelosi has got to be the most narcissistic, spoiled little girl that's ever been on the face of the earth. And somebody needs to take her and paddle her and get her straight. Okay. You're going to go at this last minute, you had the, the president, you know, if things, however things work out, but if, they, if the president goes this last week of, of being the president and you're going to go run and get all these people together and impeach him. And then by the way, throw us 600 bucks, man, that's something wrong with you. You don't have to have too much sense to know something is wrong with you. All right. But she can't see it. You know why? Cause she's not born again. She may be a professing Catholic, but even the Catholics won't serve her communion. And I'm not real sure about all the Catholic religion. I'm not real sure about all that. But I think if you're not taking communion, you're not making it. I believe that's what they believe. Maybe I'm wrong. You're not taking Holy Communion, man. You're... But why? There's no sense getting mad at her. There's no sense getting up there and cursing her and you know, whatever like that. She can't see it. She's not saved. She's not born again. It takes that transforming that comes from seeking the kingdom, talking, getting Jesus into your heart, right? Amen. Sixth thing. Let me hurry through these right quick. Sixth thing, Colossians 1.13. It says you've been delivered. Literally, it means you've been transferred. You've been delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us. The word conveyed means to be transferred into the kingdom of the son of his love. There's a, the kingdom of God there's a transfer that takes place that you transfer all of your papers from being an American to being a Christian. Now, I want to tell you all something. The most happy I got this week was when I heard that the, the, the Texas legislature is coming back into order and that they're putting forth the deal for Texas to succeed. And I got so happy thinking about that, that it possibly long shot might come up that we actually get to vote and i was like oh that would be so sweet i can't imagine throwing away that u.s passport and having one red white and blue star on the front says texas and walk into some place and say i'm from this texas my country of texas my country tis a sea land of liberty texas that would just, I mean, that was just so exciting. But the most exciting thing is to know that I have been transferred and I have membership in heaven, that I have papers in heaven, that I have been transferred out of. So when the devil comes to me and say, look, buddy, you ain't got any authority or right over me. I, I'm, I, my law is the law of heaven. And the Bible says that any weapon that's formed against me is not going to prosper. Every tongue that rises against me is you know, going to be put down. So you might as well shut up and get out of here. You got to have that. Amen. That's what the kingdom of God's about. And then according to Colossians 1.22, just a few more verses down there, it says, and you're holy and unblameable and unreprovable. So my citizenship is unstained in heaven. I'm not on the no-fly zone, the no-fly list. 
in heaven. They ain't nobody can put me on the no-fly list. I have no spot, no blemish. He said, well, Pastor, we know you, and you got to have something. No, according to this, according to the blood of Jesus, washed me clean, made me look good. The seventh thing is that what you're doing on earth has an effect on what's going on for you in heaven. Matthew 25, 34, then the king will say to those on his right hand, come, you blessed my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundations of the world. John 14, 1, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. If not so, I would have told you, but I go to prepare a place for you. He goes to prepare a place for us. What you're doing on earth is preparing something in heaven for you. So how you stand and how good you play offense here on earth does affect heaven. But the cool thing about it is that it's like we're all playing our own game. All right? So in other words, your great victory that day may be the ugly clerk that you didn't give them a piece of your mind. That may be your great victory of the day. To someone else, it may be the person who got a thousand people saved that day. But on the kingdom of heaven, it's all equal because we're walking out our own race. Hello? Now, here's number eight. Number eight, in this kingdom and being a part of this kingdom and having your transfer going there, there's something that comes with it. According to Matthew 5, 10, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Persecution comes with the kingdom. Right now, today, there's 260 million Christians who live their life under persecution. The American church has never been persecuted. The only way you've ever been persecuted is somebody says, oh, you're a little goody two-shoes. Read your Bible. That's the only way you've ever been persecuted. And you look back at them and say, you idiot, you don't know nothing. Right? That's the worst persecution you've ever seen, but I'm telling you, you're about to get more persecution. I'm telling you, the, 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 the devil has risen his head. Why do you think, the, the, in, if you go look up, go, go look up the list of the 10 most persecuted uh, Christians in countries, and list them by countries. North Korea is number one. Right there with it is China. <clears throat> and so we want to go be communists like China. We want to let the commies come in. We want to do what they say. Folks, they're tearing down churches. They're, they're persecuting the Christians more than anywhere. None of us, listen to me. <sighs> Stand such a chance of making y'all mad, but you know, you're going to show back up. Y'all like it. Y'all like it. Most of us sitting in here today, you got saved because you were in a, a bind. And knowing that you got saved, you wanted Jesus to deliver you from the situation you were in, and he did. But if you would have had to come to this church to get saved, knowing that it would cost you your life if anybody found out about it, if you're living in a Muslim nation and know that if you give yourself to Jesus, and become a Christian that you could die? What if all of your, what if it was like in the Roman times as a Christian, you had no rights? So if somebody wanted to just come run you out of your house, they could just run you out of your house, take your wife, take your kids, take your truck, take whatever. You had no rights to be a Christian. See, we haven't, we don't know what persecution is, church. The American church, we are fat-eared 
been listening to messages, got all the things in the world to get us to do everything in the world. People have prospered and prospered trying to get people just to do what they should have done anyway. What I mean is you've got a devotional for this, a devotional for that, a devotional in doing yoga, a devotional to, to why eating ice cream, a devotional for, you know, got music with it. You've got a devotional in large print, small print, every print, in other words, little cards, little this, little that, little, 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 little. We've got apps, we've got this, we've got that. We're saturated, the American people, to get them to do something. While other people in other countries that are Christians that love Jesus with all their heart are just would just give anything for one page of the Bible. And so we don't, we're like, we're like, you know, that's a bad example. Uh, Let me think of another one right quick. You know, um, we're like the high society lady that gets offended because you're eating with both elbows on the table, you know? Chicken. When I was in high school, the, 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 the lady that was, did the home economics and, and the high society club, uh, they were trying to get me in there. And uh, so they taught us all about which spoon and fork you're supposed to use and how you're supposed to eat. And then they took us out to this, this dinner uh, theater deal. And so we were all going to be graded on how well we ate, basically. Used our napkin properly and all this. And so I was sitting there and I can't believe what they served. They served chicken, fried chicken. And I looked at it and looked at the teacher and I'm like, really? What are you going to do with this? You've got to pick this up with your hands and eat it. You can't. You can't. I had a chicken leg on mine. You know, the leg. I'm like, what do you do with it? You know, you try to fork it. It's just going to jump around everywhere. And so, you know, the high society will be, you know, oh, I can't believe he did that. Well, we're, the church is kind of like that. We, we're, we hear a little talk about a little persecution. We're like, oh, what? But folks, I'm telling you, I'm just hear me. I, I, if I'm wrong on this, if I'm wrong on this, you can tell Jesus all on me. But I'm telling you, the American church is about to come under persecution like it's never come under before. And there's no sense being shocked like the high society ladies said, saying, oh, my goodness. You might as well get ready for it. And say, well, you want a piece of me? Come on over here and you can take on Jesus. Number nine, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. Matthew 11, 12 says, Matthew 11, 12 says, and from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. Listen to me. You're not going to, the what you have to walk in in the kingdom of God takes effort on your part to bring it about. Quit sitting around wondering how come you prayed once and, and you didn't see God's hand move. Quit wondering why you threw up a little three-minute namby-pamby prayer and you didn't see something. Get serious. Get down on your face. Cry out to God. you got a serious situation on. Well, then spend all day praying. He said, well, I spend all day praying. I can't spend all day praying. I don't even know what to do. Well, try Discipline yourself to shut up. Well, I'd rather just listen. I'll just listen to preachers on television. You might get yourself in trouble. I've heard some crazy stuff out there. Beyond bizarre stuff, okay? Number 10, not everyone who claims to be a part of this kingdom is really a Christian. Matthew 7, 21, Jesus said, not every one of them that says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me that in that day, Lord, Lord, and, and we've prophesied in your name, we've cast out demons in your name, we've done many wonders in your name, and then I declare to you, depart from me, I don't know who you are. You practice lawlessness. Do not be shocked that you're going to see 
shortly coming Christian churches caving in to communist values. Do not be, don't be alarmed when you see Christian churches and supposedly Christian pastors giving in to worldly ways, saying that the Bible, well, we have to just overlook that part and doing things that are the Bible absolutely says no, and they're going to do it. Don't be shocked by that. Jesus said right there, you got people out there, they practice lawlessness. Don't be shocked by it. Don't be shocked when you start to see big churches fall. I heard a deal the other day, a, a, a person was telling me that the pastor of their church, a large church in Houston, he just got up to the pulpit and just listed his paper over there and just handed it and just walked off. He said, I'll resign and just walked out. No reason. He wouldn't do anything. Didn't embezzle any money, wouldn't have any fear, whatever. Just couldn't. He said, I'm not going to take the pressure. I just can't handle it. Walked off. Now, I don't know the circumstance on the man, but I'm just saying it was a shock to the whole church that this person, I, I'm just telling you, this is going to happen. But let me give you two last good newses, or I think just one. Yeah, just one. Last one. I want to end on a good note. But this kingdom that we're in, that is around us, all around us, that we can enter into, that we're transferred into, that we've got papers into, that's on our side, that's got us all plain, got, got us all cleaned up. That kingdom that we're into, that Jesus is ruler of, it says in, in 1 Corinthians 4:20, for the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. There is power in the kingdom of God. You just can't imagine, listen to me, when the persecution arises, God's anointing is going to arise. It always has. The, the, you go through and you read all of and look at history and just read the Bible. Every time the church is persecuted, they prosper. They prosper in souls and people are getting saved. And everybody's been crying for a while. Oh, I just want to see a move of God. Oh, I just want to see a move of God. Oh, I want to see a move of God. Ooh, you didn't really think about what you were praying. See, I've been the other way. I'm as a pastor here. I've been thinking, oh my God, our septic system's not big enough. We don't have enough chairs. We have to build another building. I'm thinking of all the logistical things that comes with revival. Do you know that the church, when the Pensacola revival broke out uh, years ago uh, in Pensacola, Florida, that that church was totally wrecked and destroyed like four times? Like just all the carpet was wore out, the chairs were wore out, the everything was wore out, everything was wore out, everything was. Out. You say, well, Pastor, it's just money. And, you know, I mean, you're just giving it. Yeah, but are you going to be the one that's going to be helping me be in charge of getting all that done? It's a lot of work. It ain't going to be me out here all on my own trying to get this done in the middle of a revival. But the kingdom comes with power. Hear what I'm saying? The kingdom comes with power. And the power to set the people free and the power to, to, to get the scales off their eyes and the power for them to come to know Jesus is a glorious thing. And this kingdom that we're a part of, it's not wimpy. God is not wimped out. God is not gone. God is not forsaken us. God is not forsaken Americans. God is not forsaken Christians. I'm telling you, there's power coming. There's going to be an explosion on the face of this earth. They're going to see the church arise like never seen before. And the, and, and the wicked are not going to succeed. I'll tell you that. I prophesy that and declare it. Again, if I'm wrong, when we get to heaven, you can take it up to Jesus. But I'm telling you, that's what's going to happen. You know why? Because God always does that. Go look at the Bible. God always does that. He's always the God that parts the Red Sea. He's always the God that in the midst of the fire they walk out of. He's always the God that does the miracle. He's always the God who raises the dead. But he's just not the God who gets out in front and does it like we want him to. Okay? So this is the last scripture, Hebrews 12.1. The last thing you need to focus on. It says, therefore, also, we, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, lay aside every weight of sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking 
unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. The race that's set before you, we've got to run it to finish it in victory. But the only way you're going to be able to do it is keep looking to Jesus. Amen? Amen. We'll close your Bibles. Stand up if you would. Can I have a prayer team come down? If you're out there and watching this video, I'm going to tell you something right now. Oh, hear me. If you don't know that you're in the kingdom of God, you don't know that you've been born again, you don't know that you've been transferred up, right now, right where you are, just call out upon the name of Jesus. The Bible says that if you believe with all of your heart that he is the son of God, that he died on the cross for your sins, that you will be saved. That's what you have to do. But it's what I've been talking about. You've got to cry out from your heart, not your head, your heart. Don't miss heaven by these 12 inches between your head and your heart. Call out with all of your heart and say, Jesus, I want, to, I want you to, in my life. I believe in you. I trust in you. I want to go to heaven with you. And if you pray that for sin, sincerely from your heart, you will be saved. That's what the Bible says. You'll feel that transformation take place. If you're in here today and you don't know that for sure, you don't know when I'm preaching this, you're thinking, oh, I wish I was more secure than I am. That's why we have a prayer team up here. You need to just come and pray with them and say, hey, just, let's just pray with me about this. If you've got anything else you need prayer over, we're here for you. That's why we're here. But I just want to encourage you, every one of you, listen to me. God has not forsaken you. God has not fake, forsaken Americans. I'm like, I'm like President Trump here. Listen to my words. God has not forsaken Americans. You will be taken care of. God will take care of you. Amen? No matter what's coming, and it's going to be fun. Whew, I love a good fight, and I love it when I know I'm going to win. That's the thing about it. It's one thing. Can you imagine going into the fight and say, okay, this round's going to go 15 rounds. Uh, it's, going to, this, it's going to take place right here in Madison Square Garden, and at the end of these 15 rounds, Robert's going to be winning. You're like, hey, cool, let's go. I'm going to win. All I got to do is stay in the rounds. That's where we are, folks. We're going to stay in this fight. We're not going to give up. Quit saying, why? Why hasn't God done this? Why has God not? Hey, just say, come on, God. I'm here. I'm your servant. Let's do it. Let's get it on. Tell me where to go. Let's go. Let's do it. Woo! And you watch what happens. <clears throat> it's going to happen. Amen? So take that person's hand beside you. I want to pray over you. I want to bless you as you go. Prepare you to get out there in the world and Take it on. So, Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I declare we want to be in the kingdom of God. No matter, well, oh, Lord, we want to be in the kingdom of God. We will walk in the kingdom of God with you. We will not be deterred. We will not be, we'll sit back. We're not going to play defense anymore, God. We're playing offense. I declare this week we get more people saved than we've ever gotten before. I declare, Lord God, that as we go out there in the world, that our eyes are open to see every person that's around us that needs to know Jesus. That, Lord, we begin to, just, uh, to talk about Jesus and things come up and they bring it up and, Lord, we get people saved. Lord, to get them into heaven because, Lord, I want to populate heaven and we want to plunder hell so lord i just thank you for that bless the people bless everyone out there watching lord god and i declare that we're going to walk in health we're going to be blessed in everything we do because your hand is upon us lord and we praise you for it in jesus mighty name amen and amen god bless you church we're here for you if you need prayer